the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. So the Corinthians church had so distorted the Lord's Supper that the congregation wasn't really celebrating communion at all. There was very little sharing and there was very little caring. The feast did not demonstrate the unity and love that should characterize the church, nor was it a preparation for communion. Approaching the Lord's Supper, some were hungry, others were drunk, and the whole thing became a mockery. Welcome to another edition of Study Verse by Verse with our teacher, Pastor Leighton Sheely. I'm Mike Trout, and this is an outreach of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno on the web at highlands.us. Pastor Leighton is wrapping up over the next couple of days a series of messages he shared from the book of 1 Corinthians, and we begin today in chapter 11. Verse 17 says, But in the following instructions I do not commend you, because when you come together it's not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part. For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. The word church here is ecclesia, and the word literally means an assembly or congregation. It's the gathering of believers. In the New Testament, the word church never refers to a building. We in America, when we hear the word church, we think of a building. That's the building of the church. Actually, the church building is not the church. The people are the church. The building is just the place where the church gathers. And then the word that's used here for divisions is the one from which we get the word schism. And it literally refers to something that is cut or torn. But metaphorically, it talks about division and dissension. That was a problem that that Corinthian church had. In fact, that was the first problem that Paul had to address. He'd hardly begun his book, his his letter to the Corinthians. He's in verse 10. He says, Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you agree and that there be no divisions among you. And the first thing that that Paul had to address in this church was this matter of divisions. Church division, as ungodly and sinful as it is, is used nevertheless by the Lord to identify who is faithful. Because in the midst of backbiting and divisiveness, those who are faithful stand out. Evil helps manifest good. And trouble in the church creates a situation where those who have true spiritual maturity and strength and wisdom and leadership are made manifest. You know, adversity manifests great leadership. If we were to ask people who some of the two of the greatest presidents in the history of the United States were, the two names that come up most often are George Washington and Abraham Lincoln. Have you noticed that both served in times of great adversity. George Washington led our nation to independence from what was then the greatest empire on the face of the earth. The sun never set on the British Empire. It was a military that hadn't been defeated in over 300 years. And Abraham Lincoln led a nation that was deeply divided in civil war that cost more American lives than any other war in our history 
to a greater realization of our foundational values as a nation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, we've had other great and brilliant presidents in our history, but these two were made manifest because they led through times of great adversity. The circumstances magnified their greatness. You know, when people in church develop into divisions, it's destructive to the church and to its testimony. Paul says their meetings were doing more harm than good. What he was saying when he said your meetings are doing more harm than good is, would you please just stay home? Because your meetings are doing more harm than good. Verse 20. When you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. And so the Corinthian church had so distorted the Lord's Supper that the congregation wasn't really celebrating communion at all. There was very little sharing, and there was very little caring. And so Paul said they were not preparing to share the Lord's Supper. They were simply satisfying their hungry hunger. That's why he writes, What? Do you not have houses to eat or drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. The feast did not demonstrate the unity and love that should characterize the church, nor was it a preparation for communion. Approaching the Lord's Supper, some were hungry, others were drunk, And the whole thing became a mockery. Now, Paul has talked about how it ought not be done. Now he tells us how it ought be done. Verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And so the first thing he wants us to know is that he's not delivering his own opinion, but rather the revealed word of God. He had received these instructions from the Lord. And he references the night in which Jesus was betrayed, which provides an historical setting. In the midst of the world's greatest evil, God established his greatest good. In the midst of Satan's wickedness, God planted his holiness. In the midst of Satan's worst, the condemnation of the Son of God on the cross, God accomplished his best, the sacrifice for the redemption of the world through that cross. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus and his disciples had gathered together for the Passover. Verse 24, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so the bread represents Christ's body. The word broken is not found in the original. That's why in in reputable modern translations you won't find the word there. Jesus' body was not broken. You remember that that, uh, the soldiers went to um, accelerate the death and they broke the legs of the thief on Jesus' left and his right. But when they came to Jesus, Jesus was already dead. 
And so they did not break his bones. Jesus said, this is my body. This is my blood. There have been several different translations or or, uh, opinions on what Jesus meant when he said these words. Um, Some believe that the bread and the wine actually become the physical body and blood of the Lord. And that is called transubstantiation. Others believe that the bread and the wine remain unchanged, but Christ is spiritually present with the bread and the wine. That paradigm, that perspective is called consubstantiation. Others believe that the bread and the wine symbolize Christ's body and blood, and that's symbolization. What do we at Highlands teach? We teach as best we can what the Bible says. When Jesus said, this is my body, this is my blood, was he speaking literally or figuratively? Figuratively. He was speaking figuratively. He was still in his body. The blood was still in his veins. When he said, this is my body, he was holding the bread. When he said, this is my blood, he was holding the cup. For us, I think it's easy for us to understand why he used the phrasing, because I can say, this is my oldest granddaughter. And you all understand what I'm saying. This is not actually my oldest granddaughter. She's a couple of states away. And Grandpa misses her very much. But I can say, this is my granddaughter, and you understand I'm talking about a picture of my granddaughter. In any event, communion must never be taken lightly, as we shall see. Now, Jesus here mentions the new covenant. The new covenant. The reference to a new covenant implies that there was an old covenant, yes? All right, so on the old covenant, people could approach God only through the priests and the sacrificial system. God would forgive people's sins if they would bring an animal for the priest to sacrifice. And so that agreement between God and human beings was sealed with the blood of animals. And it was entered into after the exodus from Egypt. But the animal actually didn't remove sin. And the inadequacy of the sacrificial system was underscored in the fact that it had to be repeated day after day, month after month, year after year. Jesus' death on the cross ushered in the new covenant between God and humanity. Under the new covenant, Jesus died in the place of sinners. And unlike the blood of animals, Jesus' blood truly removes the sin of those who put their faith in him. And Jesus' sacrifice is perfect because it will never have to be repeated. It is good for all eternity. So the new covenant completes rather than replaces the old covenant. The old covenant was looking forward to the new covenant. And now a person can approach almighty and holy God and communicate with him. The cup that had represented the blood of the Passover lamb smeared on the doorpost and littles now came to represent the blood of the Passover lamb of God shed whose blood was shed for the salvation of the world. 
And so now we eat the bread and drink the cup, not to remember the Red Sea or the Exodus, but to remember the cross and the Savior. Do this in remembrance of me was a command from the lips of the Lord himself. Therefore, partaking in communion is not an option for believers. We need to partake of communion on a regular basis. And to not partake is rebellion, disobedience, and sin. More on this topic of communion when Pastor Leighton Sheely returns with the next edition of Study Verse by Verse right here at this same time. This is an outreach of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. Pastor Leighton has been in this study in the book of 1 Corinthians for a number of weeks. And if you'd like to listen to past messages, you'll find them on the website, highlands.us. That's highlands.us. Details about Church of the Highlands are on that website. They are connecting people to God and each other, a community where your entire family can grow in Christ. Again, check out the specifics on the website at highlands.us or give them a call at 650-873-4095. I'm Mike Trout. Thank you for joining us today. Come back tomorrow when we'll once again open the Word of God to the book of 1 Corinthians and study verse by verse. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.